Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church's podcast, where we are taught by the Word and led by the Spirit. I hope today's message encourages you and challenges you to draw nearer to Jesus. So welcome to Cobblestone. You'll notice that we are, I don't know, I don't know if we're that different. I actually think we're getting closer to what the Bible paints this picture of where they actually like sold their belongings and cared for each other and really sat and they, 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 they were in awe of the works of God and they loved the word and they saw the spirit move. And I think we're getting closer to that. And so when people come here and they're like, boy, you guys don't seem like you're in a hurry. We are not. We actually really are in a hurry to sit at Jesus's feet. And we find if you posture a people there, you see salvation, you see healing, You see the word preached powerfully. You see the things of the kingdom of God start to break in when a people are like, we're not here for a service. We're not here for a smooth running like like entertainment program. We're here to meet and be with God. That's actually what just happened. And and I'm so grateful to be here uh, as a pastor and and get to do this for a a few more weeks at least. So uh, I I wasn't planning this, but if you haven't heard, I'm just gonna keep saying in in a few weeks, I'm gonna step out of being the pastor here. Uh, and that was announced a couple weeks ago. If that's a shock, it, it shouldn't be. If God leads, we will, we will follow. And if God leads you, follow him. Even if it's scary or it costs you something or people kind of look at you like, what are you doing? I'm following the Lord. So welcome to the last kind of a, maybe even not the last. I think it's a theme that God has set up in our church to talk about the difference between heavenly wisdom and earthly wisdom. Y'all know there's a difference, right? A big difference between heavenly wisdom or wisdom that comes down from above and then wisdom that is earthly. Uh, James is even called earthly wisdom. He's gonna call it demonic. He's gonna call it earthly. He's gonna call it from the flesh. And then he's gonna label what heavenly wisdom actually has these fruits that are peace and gentle and open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits. It's impartial. That's heavenly wisdom. And I don't know, I've been a Christian long enough and I think I've, I've slipped into both. You ever have that moment where like some days you're like, really, things are working well. I, I think I did the thing God wanted me to do and things worked. And then all of a sudden you, you just, you didn't mean to, but you slipped into some worldly wisdom and it didn't work as well. What we wanna be is a church that is so tuned in to the voice of heaven, to the things of heaven, that we would not build this place off earthly wisdom. Earthly wisdom would say, blow the walls out, make a 3,000 seat auditorium and make them comfortable. Make sure the coffee's good, the seats are good and the program's flawless. The New Testament church did not operate under these modes of operation. They went, what's God want? Is he pleased? If he wants it, he gets it. And I'm pleased to be a part of a church where I, I hear that cry. So let's talk about heavenly and earthly wisdom, but we're going to zoom in a little bit and really going to focus on, is there a difference? And maybe there's some good things and bad things, and we'll talk about that. Is there a difference between religion and Jesus? Is there a difference between religion and the kingdom of God? Is there a difference between religion and the gospel that Jesus preached, which was called the gospel of the kingdom? And we're going to talk about that, and I want you to start thinking about that, but I, I really just want to pray. Um, it's part of my long-going agreement with God that I won't talk about him until I talk with him, and I like talking to him more than I like talking to you. 
And I like talking to you. You're pretty fun. But Jesus, we, we acknowledge that you are the living son of God, the perfect lamb that was sacrificed for our sins and that by dying, you freed us and by raising, you saved us. So we come to you now. We want to be taught by your word, illuminated by your spirit. And I thank you for this body, that you are building her up into something that is of heaven and not the earth. And we pray what you told us and taught us to pray, that your kingdom would come here, that it would be near at hand today. And from my heart, that you would heal hearts today. Bodies and hearts and minds and souls restored to sons and daughters. That what the enemy has tried to come and steal would be restored a hundredfold. That this very ground is for the kingdom and King Jesus alone. So any spirit that's not of the spirit of God, get out in the name of Jesus. There's freedom because Christ has set you free. In Jesus' name, amen. So if we were just sitting and talking and I was like, hey, what's the difference between religion and Jesus? What's the difference between religion and the kingdom of God? What's the difference between religion and the gospel of the kingdom, which Jesus proclaimed? What would you say? And could you make a list? And so because I want to be interactive, I'm actually going to give you a few seconds. Maybe grab a scrap piece of paper or your friend next to your phone. Can you think of some things? And I was going to have people yell out, but I thought that'd get messy. So go ahead, turn to your left or right and say, hey, let's talk about what's the difference between religion and Jesus. Make me a list. Go. Talk. Mongle. Mongle. Mingle. Hi, Christian. All right, what you got? And I, we can't all yell, but I, I would love that to be a conversation this whole week. Is there a difference? And if there is, I hope we choose the way of Jesus. Um, if Jesus is our model, and he, I wanna be like Jesus when I grow up, uh, then I wanna, I wanna minister like Jesus. I wanna preach like Jesus. I wanna sit with sinners like Jesus. I wanna lay hands on the sick like Jesus. I want to, you know, do, I wanna be like Jesus. Uh, and then if you could contrast that with religion, and when we say religion, it's, it's a loaded word, and really the Bible uses that word in, in the book of James. So I'm gonna read it to you what it says and, and say that there is good in, in that idea of those that fearfully worship God. That's the base definition of religious worship, okay? Those that fear God and those that worship God are religious. 
But has anybody ever met a religious person? You ever been like, that Bob, he's a real religious guy. Was that good or bad? Everybody's murmuring at me. They're not quite sure if we should trust Bob or if Bob just really knows all the rules and likes to condemn people with him. So I've met really religious people that I'm going, you don't talk like, think like, or act like Jesus, so I don't know if I want your religion. And I've met very religious people that are full of the fire of God, the word of God, and they act like Jesus. So I think you can throw the baby out with the bathwater. I'm not condemning religion full sail. But James says in chapter one, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. That's what the Bible says. So you can see all, all together, like if you were gonna go earthly wisdom, orphans and widows are not at the top of the list. They're outcasts in society a lot of times, forgotten ones, neglected, because they're not important. But who, who's important to God, apparently? Widows and orphans, the outcasts, the poor, the broken, the sinners. And then he says on top of that, earthly wisdom would say, hey, you could follow Jesus and watch that show. You could follow Jesus and stay with your boyfriend at night. You could follow Jesus, but what does James said? Religion or fearful worship of God that is pleasing to him is a religion, is a worship and a fear of God that takes care of those that are neglected, widows and orphans, and keeps oneself unstained from the world. That would be earthly. If I was going, I belong to Jesus, I'll just get all that earth on me, that would be not pure religion. And so there is a good form of religion. But I want to look really quickly because I think if we were like so often religious duty betrays us into something that I don't think Jesus wants for us. And so I, I will talk about the bad effects of religion. And then we're going to talk about this kingdom of God that Jesus himself invites you to belong to. His kingdom and his rule and his ministry. And then we're gonna invite Jesus by the Holy Spirit to do that kingdom work and that ministry in this room. And that's usually where the wheels fall off for a lot of us. We're like, I'm cool with him reigning. I'm cool with coming to church, but don't start laying hands on people or asking God to move in a place. Well, that's what we're gonna do. And no, like I'll, we'll turn the lights all the way up. It will be no emotion in it. I won't hold a long e-note and make you all emotional. We'll just be like, God, what do you want to do, okay? So the bad side is, um, I, think, I think the bad side of religion operates in five things that I can identify. So if we want to be heavenly, we need to be on the watch out for these five things. Does that make sense? So if we don't want to be of the earth or of earthly religion, but heavenly religion that God celebrates, I think you got to have to be like, okay, number one, you ever met, met a legalist? You ever seen the spirit of legalism at work in a body? It's usually based in fear or condemnation. It's usually based in, and they're usually type A. You ever met a type a -er? Some of you are. You love boxes. Anybody in here, you write down a new task on your task list, task list just so you can check it off? There they are, okay? There they are. <laughs> I am not one of those. I can't do that, all right? I just don't care about the box or the list. So... 
But legalism is based in, I, I can tell you the right thing. Jesus died for me. He freed me from the condemnation of sin and death, and now I'm raised. I, they can tell you that, but then somewhere in the back is, well, if God likes prayer, then I can make my prayer life perfect. And so I will plan it out to a T. And what legalism does is it removes relationship. It removes intimacy. It removes, actually, I think, the point of the whole gospel. In the beginning, God walks with Adam and Eve, promises he'll crush the snake, Satan, and all the consequences of that, and wants to return back creation to that, a man and a woman, sons and daughters walking with God, which is really the new covenant, God with us, and with the Holy Spirit, God in us. You're never alone. And so legalism tries to reproduce obedience, but does it by the law, shame, and guilt. Let's just be honest. You ever been in a church and felt shame and guilt? And did you feel it from the church people? But Jesus, let's go to Jesus. What does Jesus do when he encounters sinners in the Bible? Just flip through those scenes. Well, a number of times he sits and, in, in, sits and eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners, and prostitutes. And, and the professional religious guys of his, his day, they scoff at him. If he knew who they were, if he knew what they were doing, and he reads their mind, which is, should just be super freaky, like Jesus knowing their thoughts said to them. And so I, I, I would challenge that if we are going to be a church that's heavenly, we would want to make sure that we are not giving in to the spirit of legalism, trying to hold shame and guilt as motivators, but the love and mercy of Jesus as the motivator. I obey, not because I have to, but because I have found perfect love in Christ. Perfect love casts out fear. I'm not afraid of judgment anymore because Jesus took it off my life. And it, you've read the rest of that verse, it talks about because fear has to do with punishment and condemnation, but I thought there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ. So do you see, at least I've seen it in my life, when I was in Bible school, you get really good at rules. You get really good at what the law says. You get really good at every dot of an I and every cross T. But Jesus seems to like blow that up every chance he gets. He actually, Jesus had this professional ministry of making religious people mad. And I'm pretty convinced if Jesus walked in this service today and we were like, go ahead and lead, Jesus, you know what we would do? Half of us would get mad at him. Because you'd be like, no, 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 no. We sing three songs first. He'd be like, we do what? Am I wrong? So I, I looked at this sermon and I was like, okay, I believe I'm a kingdom-bought son. I'm a son of God. I have the spirit of the Lord. I'm doing Jesus' ministry. And then you start to look how often the things you get upset about in church and how quickly that's legalism. So do we want to be earthly or do we want to be heavenly? So it can be, it can be really basic stuff, guys. Like if someone walked in here and they had spent all night at Brick Street. And somehow, by God's grace, they walk in this building on a Sunday morning. What are they probably wearing? Anybody big in Brick Street lately? Good, that was a test. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, yeah, I mean, she, she, she's probably on Red Bull and Vodka all night. 
She's probably wearing skimpy shorts. Her pockets are hanging lower than her hemline. She's probably got like a really short halter top and she stumbles into church. What's the religious spirit do with that girl? Kicks her out or says, hey, put this t-shirt on because it's inappropriate. What does Jesus do? Puts his arm around her and goes, daughter, welcome home. I'm so glad you're here. So sometimes there's a, there's a huge distance between religion and Jesus. The, the second thing I see a lot of times in religion is opinion. So in religion, you're allowed to have opinion. In Jesus, there's only one that matters. And the church right now is full of people that are going, does it really matter if I sleep with him or not? Yes, it does really matter. Because Jesus is not about his opinion. Jesus is about there is truth. And the Christian is acknowledging that there is a king in heaven and over earth and all over everything. And we submit to him. And so with religion sometimes, you can, you can get this hard legalism. But it's, all, it's kind of funny. You can get hard legalism and you can get soft opinion. You're seeing this in the earth right now, right? There are whole denominations that are deciding right now that their feelings and their opinion are more important than the word. And so they're gonna full sail, step away from sexual ethics. They're gonna full scale, step away from any sort of truth because postmodern thought is you can be good with your truth and I can be good with my truth and as long as we can cohabitate. But Jesus shows up on the earth and he starts saying things like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is not an opinion. That is a truth claim to be the very son of God that all things are under. So as a church, if we wanna be heavenly, we have to, in a culture that doesn't want absolute, we have to be like, there really is truth, there really is a king, there really is an authority, there really is a power, there really is a life, there really is a kingdom, and there really is a king. We have to. Religion will tell you it's okay, let them come in, but Jesus would say, let them come in and tell them the truth. Not your opinion, not your feelings. I have a lot of feelings about a lot of things none of them would be good to share with you. Your opinions are not worth that much, sorry. All you bloggers, no one cares. That was mean, I'm sorry. But you know what I mean? Everybody's out there slinging their blogs and their tweets and their X's or whatever the heck that thing's called now. Isn't Twitter X now? Isn't that a thing? Thank you, Elon Musk. I think you see in religion right now, um, the Pharisees did this a lot. They always wanted to fight about, the Sadducees and the Pharisees were always fighting about, is there a resurrection? What's the proper way to baptize? Should there be this point or this point? How many points in, in the tulip of, how, I just, constant debate. Constant debate to the neglect of the more important things. So religion is all about, hey, I'm right. No, I'm right, and let's fight about it, and let's find this real thing. And Jesus is going, I'm standing here, guys and I'm setting prisoners free, and my spirit's on, on the move on the earth. Will you join me, or do you wanna sit over there with your Theo bros and fight some more? Having lived that life, I choose Jesus. And that infuriates the religious spirit. 
They're like, what do you mean you don't want to fight about me? Don't you know truth? Aren't you lax? I'm not, not lax on truth whatsoever. I'm in love with Jesus. And he loves people right now and wants sons and daughters that will go lavish that on people that are broken. So the, 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 the religious spirit or the religion that's on the earth is also full of two other things. I'm going to call it just judgment and criticism. And it slips into the church every once in a while. And you know what will destroy a move of God in this church? Judgment and criticism. And some of us are full of it. We've made it our job to judge. To judge dress, to judge speech, to judge knowledge, to judge all things. And I think that's a dangerous place to be. And I think it's of earthly wisdom. And so God, I think, is calling us to be like, hey, check your motives. Check what spirit you are of. Check where you're getting your wisdom from. And does your life, does my life, we could go individual and then we could go corporate, but when you walk your day tomorrow, does it look like heaven or does it look like earth? Let's go to the last week, play it back. How you responded to people, the prayers you prayed or didn't pray. There's this calling from God right now to come and walk and be with him. And that, like the, the disciples, the early disciples, people marveled at them a lot because they were like, these are just normal people. Aren't these fishermen? But then they remembered that they had been with Jesus. So being with Jesus blows up this box of religion and equals something different, other, heavenly, kingdom, different. And I want us to be a church that number one is fully, like just we hang out with Jesus, we love Jesus, we handle the word rightly, and we know the voice of the Spirit of God. We're marrying those two things here, taught by the word and led by the spirit. So that's religion. But if I was to ask you, what's the kingdom of God? Where is it? Are you building it or your kingdom? And American Christianity for a while is mixed kingdoms that they want to build. We really, really want Jesus in his kingdom, but we really want is a labradoodle, safe kids and a white picket fence. And I think that's getting demolished in the coming age, the coming season, I'll say, not age. So when Jesus began his earthly ministry, like Jesus walks out 30 years old, kind of non, nobody from Nazareth, he, he starts preaching. He says, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of the God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So this is like your very, Jesus walks up, is like, kingdom of God's here. And what follows that proclamation? Well, what he reads out of the scroll of Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. To announce good news to the poor, the healing of blind eyes, the, the setting of the captives free. And what does he go do? Sets captives free that have been chained by disease or chained by social constructs or chained by all of society, and he's going, that was religion. This is me and my father now come to me. And the ones that are hungry, come. And who are the hungry ones? Who are the ones that actually can see that he is who he says? Well, it's the poor, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the broken and the sinners and the needy. But he yells at the religious people. He goes, because you say that you can see, you're actually blind. 
This is Jesus. This is the way of Jesus. He's challenging religion and going, there's something greater, deeper, more heavenly in front of you, and you need faith-filled eyes to see it. And when he was asked to define his kingdom, he said a lot of parables about the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like. He said, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. The kingdom of God is in the midst of you. So what was he saying? What was Jesus saying in that moment? I think he was saying, you guys are expecting me to go kill some Romans and put a physical crown on my head, but I am the king of a kingdom that does not dwell here. And the one that rules and brings the authority of heaven is in your midst. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is in the midst of you. And when the kingdom of heaven is in the midst of you, people's hearts just start burning and they start weeping and they start worshiping. When the kingdom of heaven is in the midst of you, nobody has to do anything religious or order anything a certain way. It's almost like everybody's tuned to the same thing. That's the spirit of the Lord. People start getting healed. People start crying out. People start saying, I don't know what this is, but I just, I gotta have God. Where's that come from? The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God has a domain. So meaning, you and I, the Bible says, have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. So if you are a Christian, you have said yes to Jesus, confessed your sin with your mouth, repented and believed, you have now been transferred. You're like, I didn't feel any like, oh, transferring. But the Bible tells us you belong to a kingdom. What does a kingdom have? A king. You have a king. Now, we're Americans. We don't do well with kings. Last guy, we had a king. We threw his tea in a harbor, yo. You know what I mean? Little revolution humor, you know? We, don't, we have this whole MO as Americans that we get to do what we want, and we get our rights, and we're in a democracy. My vote counts. In the kingdom of God, there's only one say. And it's not, I'm not like, oh, I hate that I have to listen to you. His rule is perfect. His law is beautiful. His works are wondrous. The godly person, the person that's heavenly goes, I love surrendering to you, Jesus. I love your ways. I love following you. I love what you do when you come in a room. I don't want religion. I want the heart of God. That's the heart of the kingdom of God. That there really is the best shepherd, the best leader, the best king, the best guy over the church is not anybody in this room. It's a man on a throne in heaven. And his name's Jesus. So we get to gladly go, okay, I realize that there's a pool in, like a, a pooling, not an actual pool, but I'm being pulled sometimes by a religious spirit that wants it to look a certain way that wants it to go by the rules, but Jesus seemed to have a way to broke all the rules. A leper came to him once. Did you know you're not supposed to touch lepers? You're all like, I haven't met a leper recently. If you do, let's ask the Lord what you're supposed to do before you start rubbing your body all over the leper. But Jesus knew he wasn't supposed to touch him, and, G and the leper knew Jesus wasn't supposed to touch him. Because if the leper touches you, you're unclean. That's the law. That's what the religious law had said. It wasn't bad. It was a protection for the people of God. But Jesus shows up. A leper comes and goes, if you're willing, you can heal me. And what does Jesus say? 
I am willing. And then in a, a beautiful holy act, the living son of God touches a leper who should have made him unclean, but what happens in reverse? Jesus' righteousness and healing and cleanliness falls on the leper. This is the life in the kingdom of God. The kingdom infiltrates and takes ground away from, the, from Satan. The reason the Son of Man came, 1 John, is to destroy the works of the devil. And there are many bound on the earth right now. And I'm not being mean, but there are many bound in this room by Satan. And you're in torment. And when King Jesus shows up, he takes that away from the captors and he says, you are free now. That's what we're asking Jesus to do here every Sunday and every Wednesday and every time we gather that the kingdom of God would be made manifest, real, because when it happens, you actually see heavenly things and not just earthly things, not just religion. It has a domain. It has a system. Now, the systems of the earth usually operate on dog-eat-dog the big powerful ones, they get to say what goes, and the low guys don't have any say. The kingdom of God actually works the exact opposite. Do you want to be great in the kingdom of God, Jesus says? What does he answer? Then you must be the, you must be a servant to, you must wash a lot of, this is great, you guys are filling in blanks like champs, right? Doesn't that rub against everything the earth says though? Because the earth would say, well, if you're smarter and, and know more, then you should, you should lead. And if you, if you have money, then you should be in the front. But Jesus actually flips that script, and he says, if you want to be great in my kingdom, you'll actually be the lowest. You'll serve everybody. Stephen, the first martyr, I think God liked Stephen. So Stephen was a man full of faith and the power of the Holy Spirit. And the reason I think God was like, I like Stephen, is because Stephen was willing to wait tables. The apostles go, hey, we can't stop preaching and praying. We need some dudes to watch, like do table work and serve the poor. And Stephen's like, I'll do it. I'll serve Jesus that way. And God starts to do like, powerful miracles, it says, signs and wonders. And then he, he does a, read his sermon. Go read his sermon, Acts 6. It's beautiful, it's powerful. He's just shutting people's mouth with the wisdom and authority of God. And then uh, I got this from, from Jack Deere. But can you imagine the moment that Stephen's on his knees, they're hitting him with rocks, but he's not looking at them. Who's he looking at? He goes, I see the son of man. So he's looking at Jesus, he's not looking at the earth. A mark of a kingdom son or daughter is, they are not looking at the earth. They are looking at the eyes of their savior. And Jack Deere, he says, how cool is it that Jesus is looking at Stephen? Stands and goes, Stephen, come on home. And he, Stephen in his last prayer, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. That is not earthly, just so you know. If someone's stoning you, I don't know if I have the strength spiritually to go bless them. If someone cuts you off in traffic, we don't even have the strength to do that. Do you know what I mean? So how quickly can we go, I love the ways of Jesus and I'm not religious at all, except we walk under criticism and judgment and it's the same things that the religious people did of that day. And I'm going, God's want no, get that out of us. And first you just gotta identify that I'm not as gentle as I should be. 
I'm not as, I'm not as willing to wait tables as Stephen was. I'm not as willing to bless those who persecute me and hate me. If someone slapped me, y'all, I think Andrew at 17 year old would come back out and I'd be like, really quick, and I'd be like, I'm sorry, it was a reaction. But that's not Jesus. They're whipping Jesus and he's like, bless them. They're spitting on him and they stabbed him and they beat him. And, and he's like, same thing Stephen said. Forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. So I'll ask the question that is being begged. Are you heavenly or are you earthly? Thank you, kid. Someone kid, heavenly. I want to be, right? I want to be. I want us to be. Bigger than that. Jesus died to make you. And he's calling us to live heavenly lifestyles. Kingdom bringing lifestyles. And that, you know, being a kingdom minded Christian, it'll mess up your plans really quick. Really quick. It'll mess up your plans. It'll mess up your dignity. It'll mess up your projected life plan. All of it. It'll just mess it up. But what you're doing right now is you're being confronted with the truth that the church has not preached lordship enough. This is what I'm preaching to you. That Jesus is Lord of heaven and earth and has every right to tell you what to do. He died to save you and he's a king in heaven that is the Lord of you. And some of us, we ran down the aisle in junior high because we didn't want to go to hell, but we weren't quite sure we wanted Jesus to be our Lord. I'm very sure I want him to be my Lord. And so if I'm in a room, if I go to Quesadilla Express after this, I've just been really wanting to go there, guys. You can get one with tilapia, lobster, and something else on it. It's like 25 bucks, but it's going to be good. Okay. But if I'm there, and I'm heavenly minded, and I'm in relationship with Jesus, and I have the spirit of God in me, and I haven't missed a quiet time in a while, so the, the word of God has been hidden in my heart, and I'm standing in quesadilla express, and I feel the Lord go tell him I love him. I have an option, I have a crossroads, either go with the heavenly thing or go with the earthly thing. Every time I've gone with the earthly thing, I walk out and I'm like, I chickened out again. But I feel the call of, the, of the, my father going, next time, son, next time. And every time I step into the heavenly thing, I see the fruits of the kingdom of God. I see the joy of the Lord. I see people get healed. I see people get saved. I see people go, no one's ever told me. I'm like, no one ever told you that God died for you? Anna prayed for a gal at a gas station once. She's like, no one's ever prayed for me, ever. I'm like, people pray for me all the time, all day long. People, hey, Andrew, can I pray for you? Sure. There are, is a whole earth that doesn't know the love and the kingdom of God because God's people have not been told to go build his kingdom. Go build the kingdom of God. There's nothing else more valuable. The things of earth, they will die. They will fade. You will sell all the things of earth in a garage sale. Actually, you won't. Your kids will. They'll sell your house and all your little bedangles. Bedangles? Whatever. It's all going away. None of it lasts. One thing lasts. The kingdom of God and its fruit. It will last. This is our message. And I don't know why we got tired preaching. I think it's because people got tired of hearing it. And it's hard. You know what's easier than this? 
religion. Religion's easier than that. Because religion would tell you that because you are sitting in this room, God is more pleased with you. And then all you have to do is check this box. I went to church today. There's a really old, it's really corny, but like, it's like, if you're sitting in a garage, are you a car? Obviously not. So coming to church is a religious system that I don't, I think God loves it when his kids get together, but it is not the mark, the only mark of a Christian. God wants you. God died to secure you to himself. And if you were sitting with God every day and you walked with God at work and you walk with God at home and everywhere you went, you were very aware that there was a very living God in you by his very spirit, does that change anything? It changes everything. It changes everything. And so I'm asking us and I'm, we're gonna ask God, will you change the way we view church? Will you change the way I view my life? Will you change it from earthly to heavenly? That I might see it the same way the Son of Man saw it. That Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand. It's near. You could touch it. It's going to manifest. That means you're going to see it, touch it, experience it. And for far too long, the church is confident that we lack religion because you don't have to worry about experience in religion. But the Holy Spirit is an experience. The word of God is an experience. You're like, why are you using the word experience? Because when I came to Jesus, I said some words, but in the last few years, I've encountered God. Our mission statement, vision of this church is lovers of God, loving others into encounters with him. So my highest goal, actually, it's, it's my mandate, because I'm a pastor here still, is to try to get you to encounter God. And not in concept, not in religion, but in the kingdom of God is near. And if Jesus touched you right now, physically touched you, what would happen? Well, he touches a leper and the leprosy falls off. Peter cuts uh, the high priest's uh, servant's ear off. What's Jesus do? Slaps that thing right back on. He's like, well, we shouldn't have done that, Peter. Quit. Bop. He's like, there you go. Let's go. And then he gets arrested. How cool is Jesus? And how much have we forgotten how powerful and loving and good he is not religious? And so I want to tell you how to get into the kingdom of God. So if you're here and you're not a part of God's kingdom, I'm going to tell you how. Jesus tells a man that is part of the religious system of his day how. How, how fortuitous of him. In John chapter 3, if you want to go there, I haven't had you open a Bible verse all day. I've just been preaching. So John chapter 3, Jesus is having a conversation with a guy named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night because he doesn't really want to be identified quite yet because it would mess up his relationship with his religious buddies. But he knows there's something different about this one. Because Jesus has been healing and preaching in a way where he's not like the scribes of the Pharisees. He's, he's got something different, almost something heavenly about him they're having a big long conversation my favorite thing about this whole chapter is this is where you get like john three sixteen, which everybody knows for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son whoever believes in him shall not perish you get john three seventeen, for god did not send his son into the world to condemn it but to save it so the son of god didn't come to condemn he came to save 
and he says, they're having a big, long conversation. Go read it all today. Study the word. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So religion and earthly wisdom would say, well, all you got to do, you just got to say this prayer and memorize this stuff and be faithful and don't sin. And if you do, you got to earn back his favor. But what does Jesus say? It has nothing to do with men's wisdom or will. There is a spiritual act by a spiritual God whereby men and women who are not close to God are made new, are born again. Have you been born again? Has the Spirit of God taken your unregenerate spirit and made it alive in Christ? And I dare to say you would know. You would know if God came into a dead man and made him alive. And if God came into a dead spiritual man and said the kingdom of God is here now and it made it alive, you would know. It's not a man-made idea. There's no man on earth that can make you born again. But there is a man in heaven who died to make it so. And so if you come to Jesus today, and I think there's even Christians, I figure that you've been in church a long time, you've been in religious systems, you need to come to Jesus and go, I want the spirit to make me new. There's a work that God does that no man can change. And that's what we're after here. Not things like I could, I, could, I could follow you around and I could be your little Holy Spirit, right? Every time you guys looked at a girl semi-lessly, I could smack you. That'd be fun, right? Every time you, uh, you, know, you were being a little lazy with your Bible study, I could be like, hey, 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 get in there. Get in the Word. We could, we could really legalize this thing. Make it uber religious. That's not what Jesus came to do. He said, if you're broken, and if you'll acknowledge that you can't get yourself to God and that Jesus died to bring you there, and you come, the Holy Spirit will come in and will do a work that is kingdom and heaven, and it will change you from the inside. You will be born again. It won't be a physical birth. Because Nicodemus is like, do I have to go back in my mom's womb? He's like, no, moron. You just got to get born of the spirit. He doesn't say that. That was a loose paraphrase, okay? But Jesus, a spiritual act of the Holy Spirit, that's what we're looking for here. And the thing is, we're seeing it. We're seeing God save people here. Because we're not, I'm not interested. I've been in so many, who here, like some of you, you were born basically in a pew, slid down it into a baptismal. You're so indoctrinated with religion that when Jesus shows up, you're like, I don't know what to do with that because that wasn't taught to me. That's what we're trying to undo. I would have you saved today and not questioning it. Christian, you should know who you belong to, that you are saved and that you are filled with the Spirit of God. I would have you saved, I would have you filled, and I would have you sent. And why would I? I because I think Jesus wants to save you. And he wants to fill you with his Spirit, and he wants to send you to places to be his hands and feet. It's that simple.
You can't do it, but he can. And if you come to him today, even if you're like, I've been a Christian for 17 years, come to him and be like, God, restore to me my salvation. Fill me with the spirit again. Send me to places that I can be you. He will. But that will require you to lay your life down. My last thing, and then we'll end this thing. We'll land this plane. What I'm really pleading for, um, A.W. Tozer. Everybody know I'm a fan of A.W. Tozer. Um, my dog's named Tozer. I, I really like A.W. Tozer. But he has a quote. Um, I don't even remember what book this is from, but he says, the scribe tells us what he's read, and the prophet tells us what he's seen. The distinction is not an imaginary one. Between the scribe who has read and the prophet who has seen, there is a difference as wide as the sea. We are overrun today with orthodox scribes. But the prophets, where are they? The hard voice of the scribe sounds over evangelism. Evangelism, I can't even say that word right now. But the church waits for the tender voice of the saint who has penetrated the veil and has gazed with inward eye upon the wonder that is God. God is worth everything. To find him is to find the treasure in the field. To find God is to find that pearl that you sell everything so you can have it. This is parables that Jesus talked about the kingdom of God. There is a beauty to God that is deeper than any religious experience I've ever had. There's a place in God in Christ that is truly me with him, him with me. It's what you were made for. You were made for God, by God. And I don't want religion. I actually want to kill it. Because Jesus has more than legalism, and you better. He has way more than that. He sets a soul free, and they are free indeed. And they run with God. And there's joy, and there's love. Because the systems of the earth, they operate in power. But the system of the kingdom of God operates in love, gentleness, humility, self-control, all the fruits of the Spirit, and more. And so I think if we knew who we were dealing with, I think some of you are here and you think Jesus is mad at you. I had a guy in my house the other day because Anna invites people to my house all the time. I love it, but at the same time, I'm very introverted. So I'm like, what are you doing here? And then I'm like, sorry. But my favorite question, and I've said this before, I ask a lot of guys this. And I say, hey, this, I don't even know his name, but I said, hey, does God love you? He's like, yeah, I've been, you know, I've been a Christian guy for like a long time. I think he has to, is what he said. I think he has to love me. I think he puts up with me. I said, that's interesting. Um, Because like the Bible paints this picture that Jesus really loves broken people and sinners and you sound kind of broken. Let me ask you a different question. I said, does God like you? And he pondered and he went, no, I think, he, uh, I think he's kind of ashamed of me. I think he puts up with me. That's not the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom is a man had a son. And the son came to the father and said, father, I want my inheritance. I wish you were dead. Give me what I owe, what I'm owed. And he went and squandered that money on girls, on low living, on sin. And then he realized after he'd spent it all and he was sleeping in a pigsty that he would have it better as a servant in the house of his father. 
And he said, I'll arise and I'll go to my father and I'll repent and I'll just be one of his servants. Maybe he'll take me back. And the Bible says that the son, as he was returning, the father was watching. And the father, seeing his son, girds his loin, ties up his, and runs, puts a robe on him, puts a, finger, a ring on his finger, which is a sign you're in the family, that you're blessed with royalty and clothing, and says, my son who is dead is now alive. Let's have a party. That is the gospel of the kingdom of God. That the ones that are far away from God get to come close. That the ones that don't deserve it get to come into the house. The ones that, and then the religious son, he's ticked. How dare you like slaughter the fattened calf for my brother who squandered your wealth. I've served you and I've been here faithfully. What is this? And he goes, but you've always been here. That's religion. Some of you are under religion and need to come to Jesus and let him heal all those wounds. You are not under shame or condemnation. You are a beloved son or daughter. And Jesus doesn't just love you. He likes you. God likes me. I used to struggle with that thought. It felt prideful. Who died for me? So what am I worth? What's that have to do with me? That has to do with him. That was his act by his grace and his sovereignty. He died to bring me to the Father so that I could go, I could cry out, Abba. This is the gospel. And we forgot it. Because religion is easy and cheap and Satan likes to manipulate it. But I'd rather kick Satan in the face and tell you that you can be a son or daughter of God. That the Holy Spirit really is real and you can encounter God. That you really can walk with him. That the Spirit of the Lord is here. And if you're not saved, let's come to God. Let's be born again. If you're not full of the Holy Spirit, we would love to pray that over you. And if you don't know where you should go, let's ask God to send you. As if he was shooting an arrow into dark things. Jesus says in John 10, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus is sitting in front of a sinful woman who's had five husbands. He prophetically calls her out and then says, if you just knew, if you knew who I was, you wouldn't, you, I, I wouldn't be asking you for a drink, you would be asking me. And do you hear what he says? and I would give you living water. I would give you spiritual sustenance. I would give you water that would never require you to drink ever spiritually because I am the living water for you. Jesus is willing, guys. Do you hear me? Jesus is not stingy. Jesus is not holding it over you. Jesus pursues the poor in spirit. Jesus goes after the broken. Jesus sits with sinners. Jesus protects the taxpayers and the prostitutes from the religious. Jesus wants to give you living water. And even right now, I can, I can hear demonic voices going, but not for you. I can hear them whispering. So I want to pray. And, and while I'm praying, the, the, the worship team's going to come. And we're going to let Jesus have the room. And I said, we're just going to ask God to manifest his kingdom here. And I meant it. Because over the last three years, I'm, I, uh, I just got back from a, uh, a deliverance conference yesterday with David Bear. Uh, and I watched demons come out of people. And it made me sad. You know why? 
Because religion would tell me that's improper to do in a church service. But Jesus did it all the time. And so if you're here and you're tormented by demonic things, we will remove them if you want to be free. Why? Not because we will, but because Jesus is good and he wants you free. He sets the captives free. He breaks the yoke of slavery. He doesn't even stop there with going like, okay, I cleaned you up, go be religious. He cleans you up and then you know what he does? Hey, I'm gonna adopt you now. I'm gonna make you one of the family. So if you're in Jesus, you are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. I take my sons and daughters physically very seriously. Jesus takes his sons and daughters very seriously. So if you would, could you just like bow your head, get in the position of worship and prayer? There's gonna be prayer teams up here. They'll pray for you. There'll be pastors and elders around. They'll pray for you. Like I said, this is not woo-woo for me or like... This is what Jesus does. Jesus breaks demonic powers. Jesus heals bodies. Jesus saves people. That's what he does. So Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would come and manifest the kingdom in this room. That the kingdom of God would be at hand and that you would come begin to set people free. Holy Spirit, come and rest on those that need your ministry. I ask actually Jesus in your name that you would silence the accuser right now that any demonic voices would be silenced and that the Spirit of God is the only Spirit allowed to speak here. So if you start to feel the Lord, don't fight him. Just say, God, what do you want to do? If at any point in time in the next, I don't know, hour, you need prayer, prayer teams are up here, we are going to worship in response. And we're going to let the Holy Spirit do whatever he wants to do. Because Jesus said it was better that he go away, that the Holy Spirit come. I believe him. So Lord, we give you our attention. We're not after religion. And in fact... Father, I ask that you would crush that spirit in this church, that we would not choose religion over you. And I thank you that there is a pure, undefiled version, but I ask for greater intimacy and relationship for every person in this room. I pray in the name of Jesus, if there is any demonic power binding anybody in here, that you would break its hands and its lies. I pray that anybody that's crushed by disease in this room right now, that feels unseen, that you would begin to minister to them in their body. And I pray for anybody, God, that feels far away from you, that you want to make them born again. Not by the will of man, but by the Spirit of God. So if you want to become a Christian, come get prayer. If you need healing in your body, come get prayer. If you're beset by the enemy, come get prayer. Feel free to stay as long or short as you want. We will not dismiss. There's no official get out of here. We give God the room. And when no one's left worshiping, we leave. Go build the kingdom of God. I hope today's message has been a blessing and an encouragement to you. If you would like more information, you can find us at www.cobblestonechurch.com. 
Have a great week and God bless.